Well, good morning, and welcome to The Orchard. We are so glad you are here, whether you are joining us here in the house or whether you're joining us online, live right now, or during the week in a podcast. We are so glad you're with us here on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. And I just want to tell you something. If you are a guest with us, God has something for you. If you are an orchard veteran, I believe we've been praying that God has something for you today. Whatever uh, walk of life you come in here, your spiritual journey has uniquely led you to this day, to this moment, to this sermon, and um, just to let you know, I'm not good enough preacher to really do anything about all that, so we're going to have God, we're going to ask his Holy Spirit to do all the work today, okay? We are going to suspend our Exodus series for the summer. We're in the middle of Exodus, and we're right at a critical point um, where some really interesting things are going to happen, but I know you guys. You go camping. You go on vacation. You do things like that, and that's okay. That's part of what we do when we live around here, but we're going to do a summer deep dive into some of the teachings and parables of Jesus. That way, uh, many of us can come and keep engaging, and we'll hit Exodus in the fall when we're all back for school. So I want to start today with one of the central teachings of Jesus, and it is perhaps the central teaching of all the Bible. And so to look at the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, where do we go? Of course, we go way back in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. This is something that is so essential that the ancient people of Exodus we have been looking at, they would have learned to pray this, this exact thing every morning and every night. And it goes like this. Shema Yisrael Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Now I want you to get that last one with me, Okay. I want, I, want, I want everybody in here, to, I, want to put, I want you to be a, a Hebrew scholar today and say, Echad. You, you feel that? It really get, it gets it in there. Now, what does that mean? That's great. It means, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This prayer was called the Shema. Like I said, prayed every morning and every evening. It was the first prayer a child would have learned to pray. And, and Jesus would have prayed this exact prayer twice a day. He would have grown up praying this. And now what's interesting is that Jesus, as he grew up, and he, he was teaching and doing miracles around and traveling, he, he spoke about this Shema. But he did something interesting. He added to it. Let's go to Mark 12, verse 29 and 30. A religious expert asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He added that in there. And all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So he combines it with the part, a verse from Leviticus about loving your neighbor, and he adds in it with all your mind, and, and, and this is the Shema of Jesus. And what does he do? He says there's no greater command than this right here. In Matthew, he's talking to somebody else about the Shema. He says, he, he says the same thing, and he says the entire law and all the prophets' teachings are based on those two commands. So, so let me just say this. That would be the entire Old Testament, from here, all that, all the old law, all Moses' law, everything back here, all the prophets, everything in there, all the Ten Commandments, all the 600 and some other, other commandments, all summed up in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people as yourself. The entire Bible, all the teachings, it's, and it's summed up, it's, it hangs from it, it builds on it. This entire book, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. What does that mean? Well, we know it here at the orchard is love God, love people. 
That's, that's what we say. Love God and love people, no asterisks. Now, what asterisks means is you don't have to agree with everybody and what, how they live or what they're doing, but we are without excuse when it comes to loving everybody. We are without excuse to love all people. So we have this ancient and central prayer of the Old Testament. That's the old promise for those ancient people. But then we have it updated and elevated by Jesus in the New Testament, the new promise, which is for you, which is for me. And if this is so vital and important, I want to pull aside this week and look into this phrase that says the entire Bible is summed up into it, right? So let's focus on just the first part today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, the first word used there is love. Now, as you know, uh, different cultures have many different words for love, and there's different kinds of love. But in English, we just kind of simplify it to one, love, which is strange because you can really love your spouse, and you can love tacos, you know? We got one word that, that does both of those. Now, now, I hope those two loves aren't the same, but if they are, we offer free marriage counseling at counseling at the orchardlife.com. So while we have one word for love, in Jesus' time, they had many. And the, words they, the word they used here in the Shema, this word for love, is a word you may have heard before. It's agape. Agape is the big, epic, most powerful love. It's the unconditional, unrelenting, undefeatable love of God. Agape is the love of God. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. Now, what word does it use there? It uses agape. God is agape. God is unconditional, unrestricted love. And in Jesus, God loves me with an unconditional love that overcomes all the sin in my life. It surpasses all those things. And we can sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's one of the first songs you, you learn, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. We can sometimes grasp a little bit that God loves us no matter what. You know, sometimes we have a lot of shame we have to work through, but, but sometimes we can, we, can, we, can, we can grapple with it and go, okay, I know that God loves me. I get it. But what does it mean in this Shema for us to agape him, to agape God with all of our heart? Does it mean that we love God unconditionally? Does it mean that whatever God does, I love him? Yes. It doesn't mean whatever I do, I love him. Yes. It means that no matter how my emotions feel, I love him. It means that no matter what is going on in my life and the circumstances I currently find myself in, I love him. There, there's a principle here that no matter what the world throws at me, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter the doubts I'm grappling with, below it all, there's this deep agape love for God. This word agape, it was used well before this, and Homer called it an affection, the affections of my heart. The things in my heart that have a loving intent towards something. Agape truly is this big-hearted, unconditional love that, that works its way out in my affections. Our affections are an indication of what we love. The level of our affection is an indicator of our agape. Now, here, here's a truth about affection. You ready for this? Affection always leads to action. I mean, when you have affection for somebody, you do something about it. You, you know, you, in my day, used to call their house and ask their parent if you could talk to them. I and mean, that's, that's affection and action, you know? I mean, I mean it, it, when you have affection for somebody, it changes the way you think of them and relate with them. I mean, think of all the silly things that you've done in the name of affection for somebody at some point. When you made that a cross-country road trip just to see somebody for two hours, you know? 
the poems you wrote, all the things. Affection leads to action. And so there's a litmus test here for our affection for God. Is your affection for God leading to action? Is there action in your life birthed out of the affection that you have for him? Does your affection for God have something resulting from it? Do you act differently? Do you talk differently? Do you give differently? Not because you just want its behavior modification. No, 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 no. Because it's from your affection that leads to action. Bottom line, bottom line is this. Do, do, do I truly love God or do I just love the idea of God? Like, do I love the religion that talks about him? Or do I have an actual affection for God himself? Or do I dislike the religion that talks about him, but I can still have an affection for God in a relationship? That would lead to action. You see, agape love for God says, God, I love you above all things. It says, as Jesus said, I will love you with all my heart. It's a love that says, not my way, God, but your way. Your way be done in my life. This is a love that has put God as the priority. God, you first. God, you in everything. God, you have all of me. All my life is yours. What would you guess would be the greatest enemy of this love for God? Oftentimes we go, well, it's hate. Hate is the, the greatest enemy, and that's, and that's not true. The greatest enemy of agape love for God is this, indifference. Indifference. Because affection left unattended, can drift into indifference. Indifference is the tragic leftovers of unattended love. In fact, there's nothing more damaging than indifference when it comes to a loving relationship. Have you ever been in a relationship where you love somebody deeply, but you were met with indifference? The human heart was not made for that. There's a, there was a psychological study about parents and children it's titled Tronics Still Face Experiment. Still or blank face experiment. It involves a parent and child and they're interacting together. They're sitting there in the room and the, the parent is, is doing all the normal things. Some of the kids were younger. Some of them were infants. Some of them were older. But the parent is engaging with their child and, and smiling with them and talking with them and all the bougie boo all that stuff, you know. And the kid was reacting, as they always do, with joy and delight with mom and dad, or the dad being there, whoever it was. But then, for the experiment, the parent was told to turn away. And when they turned back, to have blank face. You can have eye contact, but no expression. Complete still face. I watched video after video, and I was, I was going to play some today, but it, it, um, honestly, it's just too sad. Like we don't, you're getting the point of it right here. Each child sees their parents' still blank face and begins to do things that it usually would do to get attention, like laughing or making sounds or, or reaching out. Um, but soon, on each child's face at different phases and ages, wherever they were, there began to be some worry. Um, it would switch from trying to act out to get attention with, with love and fun to, to acting out in different ways. The older kids would often poke their parents and go, Mom! The babies would begin to cry. Each video I watched, by the two or three minute mark, each child was a mess in their own way. The babies wouldn't even, the babies couldn't even look at their parents. They, they would look, like, they, they looked away and just cried. They didn't want to look at the indifference of their parent the older ones, they uh, would even get angry. And the, the pokes would turn to hits. 
To each child, the, the, the blank face, the indifference of a loving parent undid them and ruined them. Before I go any further, just, it just occurs to me, um, parents, when your child comes to you and asks you something and you're looking at your phone, what face do they often sing? Blank face. Just something to think about. And how many of us, when our, do, when our kids do, or our loved one does come to us and has a need, that we, we meet it with still face? Not many. There's a loving relationship there. But how many of us, when it comes to the affection that we give God, have still face or still faith? Indifference to the ways of God. Indifference in terms of a loving relationship is tragic and can, be, can break that relationship. Indifference in our spiritual lives with our love toward God can be catastrophic. He is our beloved. He sent his son Jesus to die a criminal's death. And instead of giving him my affection, my agape, my whole heart, I give him blank faith, still faith, in the worship, toward his word, toward his ways. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. Not me. I go to church. I even tip some money, you know, sometimes. I've been in a small group before. Orchard, just like in a marriage where one spouse just goes through the motions without affection, we too can go through all the motions of religion and still have indifference in our faith with no affection toward God. You see, God can get our half-hearted activity, but not our whole-hearted affection. And if you were given the choice between those two in a relationship, half-hearted activity or whole-hearted affection, what would you choose? And God calls us to not religious activity and duty, but to affection and love in a relationship with him. You see, when we, when we read that we're to love God with all of our heart, we have to come to terms with something else too. And that is this, it's this, this, this messy truth that our hearts, they're, uh, I don't know if you knew this, they're emotional. And uh, God told us to love them with all of our heart. Does he know what he's getting into? I mean, he created our heart, right? He, he gets our emotions. He knows how mercurial, mercurial we can be and prone to wild swings and changes. And, I mean, in the Bible, when you read about the heart, it talks about grief and joy and anger and jealousy and all these things that we face. Think of your heart and what you've been through in the last calendar year alone. Some of the anger and betrayal you've faced. Some of the disappointments. Some of the heartbreak. Some of the joys. Some of the doubts. Jealousy even. Now, in one calendar year, we run the gamut of so many emotions, but what about this last month for some of you? The swings of emotions you've faced. This last week. I mean, some of you just getting the kids dressed this morning and getting to church went from yelling, anger, tears, and some semblance of, sorry, okay, okay, sorry, let's get to church. You know, like we, we face these emotions daily and, and through our moments. So when God says to love, uh, love him, to agape him with all of our heart, I, I, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly parts, our hearts are all over the place. Our emotions are everywhere. So when he says love God with our heart, does he mean all of your emotions too? And what it means is I, I give him my agape no matter how I feel. In my joy, oh, I love you, God. In my grief, I love you, God. In my heartbreak, when I'm at the end of myself, I love you, God. In my anger, I, I love you, God. In my anxiety, I love you, God. Agape love is so big that it is 
that in and through, even with all my emotions, I can stand with affection for God, even throughout all of those feelings. So whatever emotions you are facing during your day, you can declare. This week when you're sad, in your sadness, you can declare your love for God. And this week when you're anxious in one of those places, you can declare your affection for God. In those places you're angry or depressed or whatever, you can in those moments declare your agape for God regardless of what you're feeling. Remind your heart that agape, that you have that love for God even when you're in your hardest feelings and hardest emotions. And I can't stress, Orchard, how vital this is that we begin to capture this in our lives and declare agape faith and love through all times, all seasons, dark valleys, peaks, everything. We must begin to understand that agape love is bigger than our feelings. It's the foundation below all our emotions that when the hurricane of emotions goes wild, our agape love for God can hold our faith fast. That no matter whatever emotions we're going through during the day, below it all can be this truly rock-solid affection for God because my agape is greater than my emotions. And here's an absolute vital spiritual principle here that we need to, we need to land on and learn, and that's this. Our faith must lead our feelings. This deep and true agape love needs to lead our feelings. You see, the danger is that many of us have let our feelings lead our faith wherever it wanted to go. Oh, we got hurt? Well, my faith is following that. How many of us have, have been hurt by church at some point and our feelings led us straight out of the faith or straight out of that? I, I don't really feel God today. How about this? I don't feel like worshiping today. There are times I'm sitting over here and I put my hand in the air, not because, oh man, the pastor's really feeling it. There are times I don't feel it, but I say my spirit will declare God and honor him and worship. Even if I'm not feeling the warm fuzzies of worship, even if this song isn't my favorite, I'm gonna find some worship in this because he is worthy. I don't feel God in this situation, which can lead us to doubt. I don't feel like going to church. I don't, I don't feel the same warm fuzz. I don't feel the way I used to. I don't feel happy in this marriage. God wouldn't want me to be unhappy. I'm feeling anxious about speaking to my friend about faith, and that must not, that, that, that must not be right. So I'm going to wait till I have peace about it before I step out and speak to them. You see, I don't feel like God would really want me to say that he's the only way. I don't feel like, I don't feel like he would, I don't feel like he would really say that. And, and so because I feel that way, I'm going to jettison the foundational truth that the Bible declares. Because my, faith, my feelings are calling the shots on my faith. Our, our feelings have the ability to take a black marker and edit our Bible. I don't like this one. I don't like that. Don't want that one in my life. And don't, none, of, none of that. That sounds, that sounds a little bit hard. So, so we, our feelings can do that. Our feelings, when they lead our faith, it's, it's not good. Our faith will be at the whim of whatever happens to us. We take the emotions of our heart, the most volatile thing in our life, and we put it in the engine of our train, and we take the agape, the faith, the solid loving of God, we put that in the caboose. And what happens? Our feelings are driving the train while our affection for God and our faith in him are just along for the ride. 
Our faithful love is at the whim of our feelings, which are at the whim of our circumstances. You are one circumstance away from jettisoning your faith if your feelings are calling the shot. I got my feelings hurt here. I'm out. I went through this terrible situation and it did not go the way I wanted God to have it go. I'm out. You see, when we feel down, our faith is down. When we feel anxious, our agape is muted. When, when things are going well, oh, we can praise easier. Like when the Broncos win the Super Bowl, God, you're real, I knew it. When they lose, like, why have you forsaken me? When relationships fail, when we experience illness in a loved one, when anxiety begins to get its claws around us, our emotions take our faith and affection for God, hurtling down the train track at the whim, just along for the ride. We need to, to, to pull a break here and stop and say, regardless of my fleeting feelings and my volatile heart, my faith, love, my agape for God, it will lead my emotions. My affection is for you, God even when my emotions are crashing. My faith is going to leave my feelings, even when circumstances are crumbling around me. My faith is in you when my heart is broken. Why is this important? Because if my, if my feelings are leading my faith, they pull my faith into wherever they go. Confusion, uncertainty. The engine of anxiety, it pulls my faith into further fear. If my engine is doubt, it pulls me to further uncertainty. You get the idea. Whatever feeling it is, it's pulling your faith into those places. But when my faith is leading, I can lead my anxiety into the presence of God and find something there that I, I don't have anywhere else. When, when my agape is powering my faith engine, I can lead my anger and bitterness toward others into the presence of God where I am empowered to forgive them, to release them from the bitterness, whether they earn it or whether they deserve it or not. When agape is leading, I can lead my depression and apathy into God's presence and find his peace and power and purpose. When my faith is leading, I can, I can lead my grieving, broken heart into God's presence where there is a comfort that you find nowhere else in this world. When my agape is powering, I can lead my doubts into God's presence where I find wisdom and truth and and further faith and revelation. When my faith is leading, I can lead my ashamed, sinful self who's forgotten how much God loves me into God's presence and be reminded of his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his great love for us. You see, my faithful love of God, if leading, can pull my weary and inconsistent heart into God's presence. And in God's presence is where we receive the peace, the joy, the comfort, the power, the wisdom, the direction that's part of what the love in love God, love God with all your heart means. To have agape for him, leading your life through ups and downs and your affections for him turning into action. So let's focus on another word. Love the Lord with all your heart. The word all. And this has challenged me greatly. One verse that's meant so much to me throughout my life is Psalm 86, 11. It says, give me an undivided heart, God. Give me an undivided heart. When I pray that verse or when I pray that prayer, it convicts me as I'm realizing places in my heart where I have divided affections or affections for things above God. We can be tempted and distracted by this world to giving our affection to other places and other things that should be for him. And some of these things are good, like family and work. 
Some of them are not, like, like sin and like vice. But whether good or bad, both are inappropriate if they are given the affection that should be given to God above all things. Here's an example. Loving your work is not a bad thing. That's a, that's a privilege if you love to do your job. But when my love of my work subtracts from my relationship with my wife or my children or my faith, that good thing can quickly be something and it becomes inappropriate and erodes my life. So we can all admit there's, there are those kinds of things that when inappropriately applied or loved at a certain priority, they're out of place. Have you ever been in a relationship uh, where you were wholehearted and they were not? They were divided. The pain of that kind of moment is just breaking, unbearable. And many of you, if you're a guest with us um, lately, you haven't heard me talk about this much, but if you've been with us for a while, you heard my story of when I was a pastor in Atlanta and all that I went through. And, uh, and just to, to make a long story short, I was previously married to a woman there in Atlanta who was unfaithful to me. And I remember the day I found out. I remember the smell, the place. I just, it's like, it's like captured in time in my heart when, when, when I, it was all out in the open. It all came out, and I was absolutely crushed. And what I asked was, I remember asking this, oh, do, you, <laughs> do you love him? That's the question, right? Do you love him? She said, yes. Then she said, but I love you too. And uh, it did not provide the comfort that she had hoped it would. (laughs) You see, you get it. We're not made for, but I love you too, when it comes to that, that close of a relationship. There was a part of her heart that was divided and given to someone else. And just so you know, anytime I preach about this kind of stuff, I always check with my wife to make sure I want to honor her in all these moments. That one sentence, um, but I love you too, clarified to me the idea of what it means to have an undivided heart. It was a very difficult, deep life lesson for me. There are things in this world that, that I love more than him. Are there things in this world that I love more than him? Affections I withhold from God, but then come on Sundays and say, but I love you too. Orchard, you may have some affection for God, but are there parts of your heart that you withhold? Is is there your heart divided between your beloved Savior and other loves of this world, temptations, pleasures that have captured your heart? It's an unbearable thing. If you've been there, you know what that feels like. And if he was not almighty God, I don't know if he could bear the heartbreak of each of us that we cause him. A week later from that, but I love you too moment, I remember sitting there with my then wife at the kitchen table while she was on the phone um, telling the person, the other person that she loved that it was over. And I remember watching her tell him that and then she humped the phone and she just sobbed and wept at the breakup. And it clarified for me, years later in retrospect, clarified for me how, what it looks like when I'm unfaithful to God. How many times my God has watched me as I have wept over something that meant more than him in my life? My reputation, my work. What about our ambitions? We weep over our failures as if there's something bigger. What about our secret pet sins or our selfish desires or our our want for wealth? Whatever it is that we have elevated to a place above him or something we withheld from him and we weep over those things I can see now how I have told God that, yes, I have things of this world that I love. 
but I love you too. And God would ask, my daughter, do you, do you love your addiction? I do, God, but I love you too. My son, do you love that private pet sin? I do, but I love you too. My child, do you love your lifestyle more than me? I do, but I love you too, just mainly on Sundays. I mean, this is convicting. This is not meant to be condemning. Remember, we say this often. Condemnation is not from God and drives us farther from God. Conviction is from God's spirit and pulls us closer. God, forgive me. And so, here's my heart. God, I gave you my heart when I prayed to receive you for salvation and you, you forgave my sins and gave me you know, peace in the present and hope for the future and did a great work in my spirit and in my heart. And as I go through life, I find things that I really enjoy, things that matter a lot, and that's okay, but some begin to matter more than they should. I, 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 perhaps I found that um, you know, I'm a people pleaser. I really like pleasing. I have a need to please people um, more than I need to please God. I, I, actually, I love business. I have this business venture that means a lot, and I am, I am building my kingdom. And um, I, I know, I know, but... But this is, this is mine right here. And, and this, this over here, this is, this is my me time. Um, I, I give you Sundays, uh, but this, uh, this God, this stuff I do over here, this is for me. Uh, and this, this is my spouse or my romantic interest. And, and yes, um, I have put pleasing them above pleasing you. But that, that, that's how relationships work, right? Yeah, and this right here, this is some stuff that I just love to do. I, I do love this part. And um, I know it takes me out of a lot of things that you would have for me, um, but, but I like it. I, I really do love it. And, and here's some secret pet sins of mine. I, I don't always like that I do them, but I, I'm not ready to give this up. But, but Jesus, Jesus, this is yours. I love you with all of this. I'm gonna bring this to you on Sundays because that's when I do this thing. And, and here you go. I love you. I love you. Do I love all this? Do I love all this, Jesus? I, I do, but I love you too. God, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive us. And as David prayed, God, give me an undivided heart that I may love you above all things. Give me a heart that is not divided. All of me is what God desires. All of my heart. God, my Father, Jesus, my Savior, all of my heart is yours. You can have my whole self, my whole life. My, my heart is found undivided. May it be found undivided for you. Jesus, you lay down everything for me on the cross, and so I lay down my life for you. You first love me, and I give you my heart. And from, that, from this undivided affection that loves God with all your heart, from that deep well of agape, then out of that, I love my spouse in a way I never could. And I love and parent my kids in a way I never could with patience and wisdom that I didn't have before. Others, I have a greater love for all people. To love God and love people must start with loving God to then be able to go forth and love all people. I'll appropriately then pour myself into my work and my purpose. My faith is now leading my feelings and when it comes to calamity that hits my life, I respond with calm when it comes to fear, I can, I can, I'm rooted in faith because my heart is settled and rooted in God. And from my deep roots of faith and love in him, my life, my marriage, my parenting, my career, my relationships, my, my stepping out in faith, my actions, my worship grows and thrives beautifully into a life that's worthy of the calling he's given us. 
it starts with loving God with all my heart. So may we search our lives to see a few things. This morning, may we search our lives to see where we have let our feelings lead our faith. We got wounded, we got hurt, we got mad, and it took us out of faith or out of church or out of whatever. That's an indication that your feelings have dictated your faith. Find those places where your feelings are still leading your faith. Find those places where some distress has deformed your devotion, where circumstances changed your conviction. And may you repent and adjust. I mean, he forgives us. But know those places. May we look at the places where we have a divided heart today. And may we reaffirm our affection for him above all things, knowing that God gives grace, knowing that he's not here with the frown condemning you like, oh, you're back in church? <laughs> if only they knew. He knows everything, and he, he has open arms for you of love and grace. And I hope as you, you can see that by what I'm saying here in front of everybody, we are a church that wants to be real about our life and real about our faith. There are places in your life that is so messy. But man, I'm, I'm up here just like showing my mess. It's okay here. You don't need to come in and fake it. You can come in here hurting. You can come in here pissed off at God because things aren't going the way you want. You come in here just grieving. big enough he's loving enough and he loves you my son my daughter welcome it's forgiven when we reaffirm our affection for God we're going to take communion together today but before you so I want to grab it if you need a communion I think we have some back on the podium with the camera there might be some out there um, I don't know where more would be some up there in the back. Don't take it yet. I'm going to take communion together today because it is the ultimate act of agape and affection. Plenty more back there if you guys need. So don't take it. Let's pray. Father, God in heaven, you are agape. And Lord, you see each of our spiritual journeys that brought us to this place today. Father, you've seen the hurts, the pains, the sorrows, the anger, the betrayal, the bitterness. You know where our feelings have led us. You know where are the places where our hearts are divided. But Father, you sent your son Jesus to be broken for us, to provide for us forgiveness, grace, and always a way home. And so, we break. If you thank you, Jesus, take and eat. And we take the symbol of your blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And if there is any shame or guilt in here from past sins, know that Jesus' is, Jesus is sacrifice is greater than any sin. So Jesus, we thank you for your agape love for us. Take and drink. Would you stand with me?
I want us to read this together. They would do this oftentimes at the temple and different places. I'd like you to read this together as a community. May I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. One more time. May I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. May it be so. And as we go to, this, as we go to worship right now, remember, worship is a moment of giving affection and honor. He, regardless of the song, God is the same. Regardless of the volume, God is God. So today, as we worship, may he hear not just our voices, but our hearts and our affection as we tell him how much.